Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ, 102.1 FM, your community radio station. I hope this broadcast finds you well if you're holed up at home somewhere or if you are out at work keeping society going with essential services. I'll be here for the next hour and... Today, we're going to be talking a bit about uh, election democracy. You may have forgotten amongst all the craziness. I hope you haven't. There is an election tomorrow, council elections. You can vote today, um, pre-poll if you want to dodge the queues and things like that. Um, but uh, local government, it affects, it does affect a lot of things about our lives. Um, unfortunately, we don't get as many choices as we would like or the different ca- candidates that we do get to vote for don't offer as wide a variety as we might like sometimes. But, of course, um, as imperfect as our democracy is, there are better politicians than worse politicians. <laughs> and, um, and so get out there and vote, even if you're in isolation, try to find some way of doing it. Um, we are today going to play a bunch of songs about elections. Uh, I might chat with Ian, who uh, your regular Paradigm Shift host, who is going down to vote today. Ian's in uh, isolating himself. I might get him on the phone. We might also hear a bit from Noam Chomsky, uh, who said a few things about democracy in his times. Uh, there is a little album of Noam Chomsky's spoken word <laughs> in the Fortune Z library. I thought, oh, maybe that'd be cool, play a bit of Chomsky in between some songs uh, that are variously about um, elections and democracy and things like that. Of course, I think that ultimately the ballot box can't provide the the kind of changes that we need to make a, a more just and sustainable world, the one that where everybody is free and everybody has equal access to opportunities and where we can sustainably look after our planet for the long haul. That's going to take a lot of work interpersonally in social movements and in parliament, but, of course, voting's part of it. Um, so... Let's uh, play a little song here from the classic Australian film uh, On Our Selection, of, named after. Uh, comes from the book written by uh, Steel Rudd. There's a statue of him in King George Square. He may be hidden away in the corner there. Uh, he was based out at Warwick somewhere near there, and he wrote a serialised 
series of um, short stories back in the early 20th century, which later was made into a film. This is a bit of a classic track, John Williamson. This is Vote For Me. There'll be no more blowflies There'll be no more debt No warts or baldness No toil or sweat There'll be no more blisters No aches and pain No constipation You'll be young again The blind will walk and the deaf will see When you vote If you vote for me There'll be no more worry There'll be no more doubt difference between rich and poor the lame will talk and the dumb will see when you vote if you vote for me how happy the world will be when you vote if you vote for me If you vote for me It's 
folks in Canberra, the Shadow Minister for Industrial Segregation, Mr Pork, the Lord High Chancellor of the Hinterlands, Mr Cheekock, and the leader of the Alien Democrats, Mr Hip, were seen together today strolling across Lake Burley Griffin. Their new party is to be called the Media Mainline Party, and Mr Hip's suggestion of the slogan, Keep the Custards On Us, was adopted. In other Canberra news, the Governor-General attending a history teacher's luncheon today outlined for the benefit of those present a chapter in the glorious pages of his position. I'm a vestige of nobility, cognac and caviar, soirees at the races and ration jocular. I had a dream that constitutional crisis loomed again. The CIA and history held the rigors of my pen. But I'd had one too many gins, how they groaned behind my back. I signed the papers upside down and gave myself the sack. It's a federal touring circus, it's called democracy. 200 clowns and RMC and a Queensborough Hill PG. It's a federal touring circus and whole boys coterie. Without this kind of government, just think where we songs there um that one was ramshackle glory out of the u.s with of ballots and barricades of course the u.s has an election this november and they are in campaign mode um with the uh parties doing their doing the rounds particularly democrat primary um and ramshackle glory there talking about elections and trying to bring change. We also had in there, on the more satirical end of the spectrum, we had Red Gum with the Federal Touring Circus and we had um, John Williamson at the top with Vote For Me 
from the Dad and Dave movie. Uh, of course, in Queensland, we do have a, a state election set for November. Who knows what will happen between now and November? We also have a council local government election tomorrow. You can vote today if you find your pre-poll centre if you want to dodge the queues tomorrow. I like dodging queues at the best of times, let alone times like this. Um, uh, remember to vote um, and be try to vote for the best person you can, even though, uh, as they say, whoever you vote for, a politician always gets in, or if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal, or all kinds of things like that. It's still, it's better, you know, to go for the lesser of two evils. Um, We're going to hear from somebody now who knows a little bit about democracy, uh, a guy called Noam Chomsky. He um, has talked a lot about US uh, foreign policy and about US, uh, the role of media and propaganda in our democracy. And on the 4ZZZ audio library here, we have uh, Chomsky doing a speech called Prospects for Democracy. Might have a listen to it. Before I get into it, I will remind you as well that 4ZZZ is doing election night coverage tomorrow night from 6pm so you can follow all the live action. Um, I'm sure it's going to be an action-packed night. Um, so uh, tune in for that and for now let's have a listen to Noam Chomsky, see what he has to say. Uh, begin with a few simple observations. Uh, the title, as you probably saw somewhere, is Prospects for Democracy. And to evaluate the prospects for democracy, uh, we have to, uh, first of all, uh, carry out some kind of assessment uh, of where the world is heading. That's the prospects part. Uh, and crucially, we have to decide what we mean by democracy which is a term that is used in a wide variety of ways. Uh, if we look at the present scene, uh, we find uh, an apparent clash between doctrines that are widely and in fact proudly proclaimed and social and political realities uh, that appear to uh, conflict with them uh, very sharply. The leading doctrine is that the wave of the future is democracy and markets, a future for which America is the gatekeeper and the model. I happen to be quoting from the New York Times, but if you sample almost at random, uh, you'll hear the same thing, more or less the same words. Now, that's the doctrine. The reality <clears throat> is that the world, including our own society, is moving towards a more autocratic and absolutist structure the scope of the public arena uh, is narrowing, and the opportunities for popular participation in it uh, are also declining. Uh, in short, the realities are that democracy is under attack. There are also parallel attacks on free markets, uh, and there are expanding forms of market distortion. It's an interesting topic, but not tonight's topic, so I'll put it aside. Uh, and keep to the question of, uh, of democracy, the other half of the story. Uh, well, I said that the doctrine and the realities are apparently in conflict. Uh, that is, the doctrine that uh, the wave of the future is democracy and we're the gatekeeper in the model, uh, and the reality, which I think is 
rather the opposite. Also, there's at least an apparent conflict, but in fact, the conflict can be uh, resolved, uh, namely by attenuating the concept of, of democracy uh, and reducing it to pretty much an empty shell to various forms with little meaning. And I think that, uh, uh, that that's exactly what is happening. Uh, uh, of course, in that case, the doctrine will be true, and I think if we look, that's uh, like pretty much what we see. Uh, the same is true of the talk about markets, but again, I'll put that aside. Well, uh, the currently prevailing concepts of democracy, which have been narrowing and becoming more restricted and impoverished over the years, uh, democracy and liberty as well, uh, these concepts would, I think, have utterly appalled uh, someone like, say, Thomas Jefferson and other great figures of classical liberalism, for whom, incidentally, uh, democracy and even liberty were part of something broader. Uh, they were part of the conception of a good society, which would be measured and uh, evaluated by how well it freed uh, individuals and their creative powers. Uh, it's to that end that democracy was considered an appropriate means. Uh, the, if we turn to a more modern period, I think that the currently prevailing and increasingly narrowing concepts of democracy would also have uh, appalled uh, contemporary thinkers, 20th century thinkers. Uh, for example, uh, strike a crucial example is John Dewey, who was the greatest American social philosopher and whose thought focused primarily uh, on the problem of enriching democracy, which he understood pretty much in the classical sense. Uh, he incidentally was appalled by the narrowing of the scope of meaningful democracy, both in practice uh, and in the rising democratic theories uh, of his era, the, mainly the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, uh, the Wilsonian uh, intellectuals uh, who uh, developed the progressive intellectuals of the Wilsonian period who laid pretty much the basis for, for the modern form of the impoverishment and attenuation of uh, democratic theory, helped out by the then rising uh, fields of the academic uh, political sciences. Uh, there's little doubt in my mind that uh, Dewey, like Thomas Jefferson, would find today's scene, half century later, uh, even more ominous and depressing. Well, these are pretty important issues in contemporary intellectual history. Uh, they have very broad implications, and there's a reality uh, beneath them that is even more portentous. Uh, these are very large topics. They're actually topics for an ongoing seminar, not for talk. Uh, I'll try to say a few words about them, but uh, they're going to be inadequate, I'm afraid.
That is Chumbawamba from their uh, election-themed concept album, Never Mind the Ballots, Here's the Rest of Your Lives. That is The Candidates Find Common Ground. Uh, Of course, not too many bands have ever released election-themed concept albums. Um, Chumbawamba are one, I think... That's probably the 1985 British election, um, which was an interesting time, actually, um, because uh, obviously Margaret Thatcher had, was the British Prime Minister at the time and a number of pop stars took seriously the idea of um, getting, you know, galvanising the youth vote, the influence that pop stars have, 
and trying to get people to vote in the UK to vote Labor in and, and vote Thatcher out. And so they formed a group called Red Wedge. Um, I think Paul Weller, actually, of the Jam and Style Council was the person who had the idea and uh, Billy Bragg was quite involved and Jimmy Somerville of Bronski Beat, uh, as well as other, other pop stars of the time um, in an attempt to influence it, which was nothing new. Even back to the 60s, pop stars had been used uh, in campaign rallies in the US and things like that. Um, and going on... It, would happen as well. I can think of when I was a teenager and coming up to voting age had things like uh, Rock Against Bush or Rock Against Howard in Australia. Maybe I'll try and play a song off the Rock Against Howard compilation, actually. We'll see. Um, Anyway, music and elections, they do occasionally interact and we're playing a bunch of election songs. And we're also listening a little bit to old mate Noam Chomsky talking a bit about democracy from his talk entitled Prospects for Democracy. Let's hear a section called Corporate Media, Radio, TV and the Information Highway. The Labour victories were reversed and uh, there was a major attack, attack on independent thought. That led to the 50s, which were very quiescent, rather similar to the 1920s. And so it has been a recurrent pattern through American history. Uh, democratizing tendencies, repression and quiescence and then things blow up again. Uh, well, uh, at that time there was a lot of new technology that helped and that has a lot of bearing on the present day. So in the 1920s and the 1930s radio was coming into existence. Uh, radio everybody recognized as a public resource. You know, it's not like shoes, there's a fixed band that's going to be government regulated, everyone knew that. Uh, the question was what, how, where will it go? Will radio be assigned to the public interest, meaning public radio, hence democratic to the extent that the society is democratic. You know, that, and that's one option. Uh, the other option is just hand it over to private absolute power uh, and turned into a device for propaganda and profit making by the private sector. Well, just about every country in the world, maybe everyone, I don't offhand no exception, went the first way towards making it a public resource. Uh, the United States went the second way, became a private monopoly virtual monopoly. I mean, like a college radio station could have a, you know, little station that you could hear for three blocks away or something. But uh, uh, it was, this, this issue was struggled about. Uh, labor groups, church groups, other public interest groups sought to uh, put the United States within the mainstream of Western society, and they lost. They lost flat out. Uh, that's a reflection of a lot of other things, the extent to which we are indeed uh, an unusual society with a highly class-conscious business community always fighting a vicious class war and very well aware of it. Uh, these quotes that I read from the National Association of Manufacturers are quite typical. Uh, okay, that was radio. By the time television came along, it wasn't even an issue. Uh, the world went one way, the United States went the other way. Uh, that's coming along right today. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, with the question of this, you know, information highway business. Again, there's a question. Is it going to be a public interest uh, resource serving a democratic, democratizing function, as the technology certainly allows, uh, or is it simply going to become another instrument of corporate power and corporate propaganda and thought control and concocting artificial wants and so on and so forth? And the answer to that depends on the balance of forces. The way things now stand, you can predict it's just going to be uh, another instrument of thought control and corporate power, but it doesn't have to be. You know, these are questions of how people react. More other countries, not very different from us, 
in fact, very much like us, went the other way uh, with radio and television, and we could have too. It's a question of organizing and activism and awareness. One of the reasons for the intensive propaganda is to keep people from thinking about these things. To some extent, it succeeded.
that formula that uh, Carruthers described is, that's it, uh, if after sufficient terror, intimidation, destruction of popular organizations and so on, you can ensure that power stays in the hands of the the right power groups, the ones linked up to U.S. corporations and banking institutions and the others who basically run this society, then that's democracy and everybody's happy and we praise ourselves for our glory. Uh, as I say, the same thing's going on in El Salvador right now. We saw it in Nicaragua. We're going to see it again. It has nothing to do with the Cold War. Uh, zero. You know, that was just a pretext for things that happened before and continue without change since. Uh, so what are the prospects for democracy? Well, again, that depends what we mean by democracy. If we mean what Thomas Jefferson hoped for, uh, the prospects are gloomy and declining significantly. If we mean the official theory that's been taken over, that has in fact taken over our increasingly impoverished and authoritarian uh, intellectual culture, if you believe that, well, then the prospects are just as grand as we're told every day by respectable authorities uh, who uh, um, sing odes to the New World Order, for which we, meaning they, are the gatekeepers in the model. Now that, of course, is not the whole story. Now, the real prospects for authentic democracy depend on something else. They depend on how the people and the rich and the privileged societies learn some other lessons. For example, the lessons that are being taught right now by Mayans in Chiapas, Mexico, they're among the most impoverished and oppressed sectors in the continent, but unlike us, they retain a vibrant tradition of liberty and democracy, a tradition that we've allowed to slip out of our hands or simply be stolen from us. Uh, and unless people in the rich here and in other rich and privileged societies, unless they can recapture and revitalize that tradition, uh, the prospects for democracy are indeed dim. Next. Noam Chomsky there, ending with the prospects for democracy. Um, we played a couple of sections there of this talk. Uh, he's always very comprehensive, Noam, and so I'm sure uh, the full thing, which is quite long, I'm sure has a lot of info. Um, but the prospects of democracy, well, uh, as long as we have an idea that democracy means, you know, whoever has the ability to advertise the most, whoever has access to politicians through corporate lobbying and the revolving door of boardroom positions and things like that and the, uh, the student politics and internal party full of compromises and playing the game of who gets there, well, the prospects for democracy are pretty slim. But while it means ordinary people working together to try to influence the world in a way that's better, then I think we've still got a chance. And who knows, the world's changing a lot right now. And so uh, we shouldn't give up hope yet on a more democratic society. On that theme, here's Paul Spencer with Make Some Music. I hate the Liberal Party with passion deep and party, so I voted for the Labour Party man. But the lying little evil turned out just as bloody evil It's clear he's out to break us if he can So this time I was keen, I went out and voted green And the good old coalition went and won 
If you want to change the laws, then the power's mine and yours And I think it's time to go and have some fun Havana drops and lock on pipes, tripods and canoes A smoking at the cop shop nearly always makes the news We can safely leave the violence in the hands of the police And go and make some music in the forests and the streets to make things better so I think I'll write a letter that a junior clerk can place upon a shelf but still the trees keep falling I can hear the forest calling so I'll have to go and save the thing myself a banner drops and lock on pipes tripods and canoes a smoking at the cop shop nearly always makes the news we can safely leave the violence in the hands of the police and go and make some music in the forests and the streets it's very widely known that if you cycle on your own The motorists will try to run you down But nothing ever feels quite as free as my two wheels When a hundred bikes have taken over town A banner drops and lock on pipes, tripods and canoes A smoking at the cop shop nearly always makes the news We can safely leave the violence in the hands of the police And go and make some music in the forests and the streets if you stand up for your rights or for someone else's fight You break the law which says you can't complain But civil disobedience is never ever tedious It's aggravated trespass time again A banner drops and lock on pipes, tripods and canoes A smoking at the cop shop nearly always makes the news We can safely leave the violence in the hands of the police And go and make some music in the forests and the streets Paul Spencer there with Make Some Music. Of course, that's a part of democracy too. Direct action, um, getting out there, changing the way things are discussed, putting your your body in action um, and talking about how we can take power back from those who have corrupted the democratic system. A more traditional form of democracy is voting, um, which... If you haven't done already on pre-poll, you should do tomorrow. Um, and somebody who is has today been taking part in the magic of democracy is Ian Kerr, our regular Paradigm Shift host. How are you going, Ian? Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. I'm good. I'm, I'm in social isolation, though. Yeah, right. But you have managed to get a vote in today. Yep, I had a little bit of difficulty at my local um, voting booth where the, the lines were very long yesterday afternoon. It was actually easier to do the shopping at Coles than to go and vote. But this morning I got lucky and uh, went down to Morningside and managed to cast my vote in this very important 2020 election. Mm. There has been some, for people, I mean, people who are a bit older or have uh, immune, immunocompromised issues, there has been a debate over whether this election should even be on, whether it should be voting. I mean, what's you've said you found a bit difficult. What's your thoughts on that? I was very concerned last night when I heard a doctor from the National Health Service in Britain say that if I have the virus and I go into uh, social contact with someone, because the virus is very contagious, after just 10 uh, transmissions, I could be responsible for the infection 
of 7,000 others. So it's not really about me. It's about what effect you have on those other people. That's important. And that was the point that the doctor was trying to drive home. The government has been putting into place some ways of trying to limit the social contact between people. I don't know that the message has really got through to our leaders, especially when you had Scott Morrison, you know, insisting that he had to go to his Hillsong church and he had to go to the footy. And when they knew already what that national health doctor knew in Britain, they knew because Britain's ahead of us. So they, they had the data available to them, but they didn't respond to the health data. Mm. So that's a concern to me. Yeah, I, I think um, there's been, I mean, it's unprecedented really in, in any of our lifetimes in Australia, at least, to this kind of situation. And I think a lot of reluctance to do something, and especially something like an election. I mean, it would take a, a monumental thing for an election to be postponed, uh, and it's sort of the government hasn't uh, proven willing to take those kind of steps. Um, there's been more recommendations, but I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's hard for any of us to grasp, like, the significance of this and how much of everyday life should be changed. I think, I don't know whether the election should be on or off, to be honest. <laughs> uh, just on that point, the only parallel that I can think of was the Spanish flu in Queensland in 1919, where the whole state was quarantined and a lot of people got the flu and quite a number of people died. So that's the parallel. And when you look back to the way in which people responded then and, and also institutions like government, the response is not that different. You know, they quarantined off the state. They tried to stop ships from coming ashore with passengers. They closed the border with New South Wales. They actually put people out in uh, camp to isolate them. We're not got that to that point yet, but, you know, there's a possibility there. We're living in a different situation. We're living more crowded in cities, even though Queensland is the most regional of all the states in Australia, most distributed population, we still have all the hallmarks of a modern city like the ones that are being most affected in northern Italy, in Iran, in, in China, and of course in London and, and Washington. I guess one of the interesting things, I think more broadly, about this the situation that we're in at the moment is that it's kind of... Uh, breaking the illusion of, I guess, the the individualistic society in a way and the the framework we've seen government take radical steps of intervention that are, go completely against the standard conservative government ideology. And we're going to have to see more, I think, when, once we emerge out of this in a, a situation in crisis. I think you, you'll have to see uh, the government intervene in a lot of ways in the economy. And I guess seeing the the influence that we all have on each other, it's funny as we go more into isolation, it makes us more conscious of the fact that we live in a society where we our actions influence others and we are influenced by others. It's a it's an interesting time, and uh, for the for the future in terms of democracy and what it means to work together for society, we're being forced to ask questions that have been pushed aside traditionally, and uh, could bring about interesting changes. Yeah, well, getting back to local government elections, it's not any just any old um, council elections that we're facing tomorrow, and that's because the state government had to intervene in several councils because of the corruption that was going on 
particularly with land developers. The, the driving force of the profit motive, which of course is what capitalism is all about, those land developers were paying off local government elected officials to help them achieve their objective of making big profit. And uh, it got so bad that the state government had to intervene. They sacked several councils and they found out, for example, that council officers were pretending they were almost like land developers themselves. They were flying all around the world. They spent in Ipswich $80 million on hiring jets. All of that's gone through the courts now. It's not in dispute. And so what that's meant is that there are a whole lot more candidates. A lot of them are independent. And I managed to interview some of them in the lead up to this election. I got the flavour from everyone that this is really quite a different election because the field is open for people to look at their candidates and think, well, are these people are going to help us change our cities, change the way we live? I'm obviously a radical, so I'm looking at as to how to vote radical. And so I'm looking for people who've got some sort of radical agenda. Um, of which there have been some, and I think local government's interesting as a, a conduit for radical politics because in some ways people are more up for radical ideas It when it relates to their local area and things that affect them. Um you know, it's like, well, we're not touching the big picture things, you know, we're not touching immigration or um, the economy or all of these kind of things that people traditionally fear a lot about. In our local areas, it is sort of, there's a possibility of trying different things. We've seen in Brisbane, we've seen uh, Jonathan Three uh, really, like, influence a lot in Brisbane City Council. And then you've seen things like in Melbourne, you've had the Victorian Socialists and have pushed towards local government as a, a way of channeling radical ideas and I think that's an interesting tactic. Yeah, that's right. And I interviewed, for example, someone in Toowoomba that's it's a very conservative town and uh, she was is a local worker in one of the nurseries up there and she's involved in arts and and um, and culture kind of things and um, she was talking about how the Toowoomba has to really help people get out into the community more and using a bus system to do that. So people are sort of thinking a bit laterally. Um, she was very opposed to the fact that the federal government has imposed a... The, uh, the Air Force wants to build all these houses for the, their personnel on the escarpment and she said, well, that's mad because the escarpment is the most dangerous place to build a housing estate because, as we found from the bushfires, that's where the, the flames just fly up the edge of the escarpment and burn the houses at the top. So, so yeah, I, you know, I've been looking around for those sort of people and there, there are a few, you know, they're not... You've got to sort of, like, hunt them out a bit, really. <laughs> we might leave it at that, Ian. Good on you for getting out there and voting, as I hope all Paradigm Shift listeners will get out there and vote for the best candidate they can. But beyond that, after today, when it comes to the rest of our lives, get out there and vote with our actions, with what we're doing, with how we're all organising together, how we're relating right. to people. There's no, uh, uh, voting's easy, comparatively. It's how you act is the really telling thing. All right. Thanks. See ya. And catch you later. This is the Locksmiths.
Smiths there with two absent votes. Um, of course, there's been a, we've had our fair share of depressing election nights in Australia over the years, and who knows? I don't hold high hopes for the ballot box in any case and bring about the kind of world I want to live in, but we're going to keep on fighting in all kinds of different ways to keep making it, and um, I hope you'll do the same. Keep tuning into to 4 Z and we'll keep fighting as a station as well for better airwaves and a better world and get out there and vote tomorrow and listen if you want to listen tomorrow night from 6pm to 4 Z's election coverage let's go out with one last song this is In Surge not so free to choose culture is a bitch of a word it makes me see my place Am I fighting for my choices on the supermarket shelf? 
Sound that's guaranteed reinforcing of your own. 